welcome to the Cycling in Alignment podcast, an examination of cycling as a practice and dialogue about the integration of sport and right relationship to your life. Greetings, listeners. You've returned for another episode of Cycling in Alignment. Today's episode is with none other than the legendary Alex Howes. I've been blessed with the opportunity to work with Alex throughout much of his career. And I was there to see him finish his first Tour de France in 2014. I was a member of the sports science program for Garmin Sharp. And it was quite special to snap a few photos and give him a hug on the Champs-Élysées. Alex is fresh off a pretty spicy adventure that is the lead boat. He raced the Leadville 100 mountain bike race and then the steamboat race, gravel race, the day after. And he had a few, we'll say, challenging life adventures in between those two events. And while his Leadville didn't go great, his steamboat did go excellent because he took home the win. So he talks about some of his creative ways to solve problems in those 48 hours surrounding those races. And also you'll discover that Alex is a very down to earth person. He's got a lot of practical solutions to real world problems. And I would say this encapsulates how he solves the problems of racing. He's very practical. I'm sure you'll enjoy our conversation. There are lots of good nuggets. Also some exciting news. Alex will be joining the EF coaching platform as a coach in the near future. So we talk a bit about his coaching philosophies and some of the lessons he's learned from the people he's worked with in his cycling career. I won't prognosticate any further about this episode. Please enjoy the conversation with Alex House. And the stack height is so different. Right. From like a speedway with like the North Wave adapter, which is like which nothing. Is two mils or a mil and a half or whatever it is. It's like nothing. Yes. You know, as thick as like a normal speedway shoe, basically. Right. Like less than a mil, I think, versus like, yeah, you may be right. Like stack height, you know, just giant. Yeah. And before that, I had been like fucking around on these Garmin pedals, mm-hmm. which are like mountain bike pedals times two. Right. So I was just moving my saddle all over the place and then ditching the dropper. Yeah. And put a carbon post in there and it's just like, there's too many variables. So yeah. Just go after the mountain bike pedals. So you took off your dropper for Leadbill? Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, man, having a dropper on those flowy fast descents, it's like you're good enough to where you can match anybody, I guess. You're not going to get dropped. Or if you did by, you know, five bike lengths or whatever, you just. Yeah. I mean, like the best guys, downhillers, were like on hardtails. Yeah. And like. Right. Lock With no dropper. Were, yeah, yeah. Lock and I were like faster than them. Yeah. Because we had full suspension. Ah, uh, right. Because you're on scuffles. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I got yeah. dropped bad on the climb. <laughs> yeah. So, like, <laughs> on uh, having on combine. Yeah, having an extra pound was not going to help me. Yeah. God damn, that climb's a monster. Oh, it's terrible. It's like it's, an hour. It's like an hour to hour fifteen, depending on you know yeah. how fast you're going and how many riders you have hurtling at you going down. You're in the lead group, but it's terrible. I mean, I wasn't yeah. by the top. Yeah. The year I did Leadville, I was the year we went off course. Like the lead group went off course. Oh yeah. And I started out, I, I kind of wasn't like going at the start. Like I, I kind of was getting shelled a little bit on that first, like two mile hill or whatever, which is like an initial selection. So I was like, 
I don't know, third groupish maybe. So like forties, you know, coming into that section. And then we, we did all the descent down power line and then we got in the middle of the valley or whatever. And I guess the story is that like one of the marshals who had been on staff for like 12 years or however long that thing had been going at this point, this was 2012, 11, it's somewhere in there. Rental. No, he, he like, he'd been doing it so long. He was like, I don't need to go to the pre, you know, pre-marshal meeting. And he went out there in the morning of, they had actually made a small change to the course and he got to his station and he was like, this is wrong. And so we put it back to the old course. And then all the riders didn't know the difference. So they went on the old course and I guess it was some deviation. And then they figured it out because suddenly the flags ran out. And so I was cruising through the valley and all of a sudden I, I turned and I see a group of like 25 dudes coming towards me. It was like Jeremiah and Souser and like everybody. And I was like, what is going on? And they were like, oh, we went the wrong way. It was just the peloton. <laughs> and then, and so at that moment I was like, well, I could U-turn it and really advance my position or I can pee because I really have to pee right now. Yeah. And I was like, I think I'll pee. So I'm peeing and then I'm watching people go back to where we got off course. And then I'm watching other people ride, hop the fence and they could like skip like 800 meters and run for like 20 steps and get back on the course because we weren't that far off and other riders were now going by on the correct course. So we were all figuring it out. And I'm like, you know, standing peeing in this, in this, whatever, Circus. on this cow fence. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, everyone's doing their thing. And I'm like, this is so confusing. And so then we, I turn around, finish my deal, turn around, go back, get on course at the proper place, which technically is the rule. If you, in the mountain bike, even if it's not your fault in mountain bike race, you have to get back on the course where you, you got off course. That's the rule. Yeah. You can't cut the course. And so I did that. And then I'm riding, but now we're in this sea of riders. I mean, yeah. we were like in the hundreds somewhere because a lot of people came by while we did this whole thing. So then I'm just passing people, passing people, trying to figure out who's where and what and riding through people through the feed zone, total chaos. That feed zone is crazy already. Right. Yeah. And then, then I'm calling by and I had no idea where I was. So then when riders started coming down, I just started counting and I got to the top and I think I was 28th. And then by the time I was at the finish, I think I was 21st or something. So I picked off another. The thing that's funny about like that, eight, with like a hundred mile mountain bike race is it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like in the moment, you're like, oh, oh no, no, like I two lost, and a half minutes is like, yeah, I lost 48 seconds. Right. The, the <laughs> yeah. guy who cut the course, you know, right. it's yeah. like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. matter. <laughs> like, it was probably better just to take a pee. Yeah. For sure. For sure <laughs> it was. Know? For sure it was. <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't matter at all. That's a cool race, though. That's one that I, I wouldn't mind doing that one again. I can't tell if it's cool or not. Yeah. I think it's cool. You're, it's still burnt. The pain is still burning your memory. You haven't quite gotten far enough away from it. God, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. That's how endurance racing works. Like, especially hundred mile mountain bike races. Like there's nothing. People are like, this isn't fun. Yeah. No kidding. There's yeah. nothing fun about racing your mountain yeah. bike for a hundred miles. The, like, problem, the problem is, it's just like, it's, it's so logistical too though. Yeah. And like, as a race, there's you know, so much. We're just involved. like, go fast. Mm -hmm. Like, you just like spend so much time on that limit between like, you know, caloric detonation, hydration, detonation, you know, caloric detonation, yeah, drying out like a little like brune. Yep. Versus like you can carry enough water, but if yeah. you do that, you'll just get dropped. Then you go slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you chase for, you know, the entire day, the rest of the day. <laughs> so, yep. I don't know. It's weird. It's hard. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard. Even the whole, like, lining up on the start line and stuff, you know, for anyone who's not like in the first 10 or gets a call up in the gold corral or whatever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it's, um, people line up like an hour before they were doing that at steamboat too. And 
that just, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Like these are solvable problems. Like this is an issue that needs to be addressed in like, okay, you want to start a bike race at 630 in the morning? Great. We don't need people on the line for an hour before they start an eight hour race. Like none of that makes any sense. And this is 2021 people. So I'm talking to you organizers. Like I'm really not trying to be a jerk at all. I don't do your job. So I don't, I know maybe it's not the easiest problem in the world to solve, but I know there's a solvable problem for it. Like make some sort of start grid. I mean, Leadville kind of has that with their corral, sort of, but then it gets really sloppy and. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, it's it's a mess when you're, definitely when you're on the wrong side of it too. Well. It's good being Alex's house. And, and <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. There's that moment where you pull that cred card and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to show up, roll up at 624 yeah. after I've peed and done all my things and, and ride backwards towards the start line and just be like, hey, what's up guys? Yeah. And when you're Alex, you can and should do that. But. The fact is, no, like the other 999 racers or however many are there should not have to sit there for 48 minutes prior to that defending totally. a start position. Totally. Like that makes no sense. Yeah. It's just asking for everybody to be dehydrated, more tired, like have to, you know, stop seven times to pee or, or worse. I, pull a I mean, even, even up there in the gold corral, you yeah. know, yeah. the cycling equivalent of the premier lounge. Um, like, yeah, there's like, bunch of dudes this year standing there on the start line for like i mean i got there pretty early yeah it's like 20 minutes before or something like that and there's guys like already there easily just true. wearing skin suits like and shivering they, oh it's like yeah. uncontrollably yeah like trying to hold it in and like can't right, right. and like just shift just shaking like a leaf <laughs> wearing no no undershirt no gloves just a, just a freaking skin suit i'm like Man, that's gonna kill you for the rest yeah. of the day. Yeah. Like I, I screwed up because I didn't have any gloves, mm. which I, I don't really like wearing gloves, anyways. But like, I think it it messed up like my joints and my fingers. Like I had like arthritis halfway through the race because mm-hmm. like I, they got like all so cold and, and cold, and so much effort on the first descent. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Columbine, like going down, not Columbine, uh, power line, like what it's. 45, 50 minutes into the race or something, if I remember right about down that first descent, or is it a little further than that? Maybe a little further. Hour? Yeah. And it's so, okay, you start at, I don't know, what time does Leadville start? Seven, right? 630? 3.30 in the morning. 3.30 in the morning. So yeah. it's like, it's what, 50, it's probably 60 degrees or something at, if that, at, you're at 10,000 plus, you know, probably I mean, almost 11K. you start? Like, I mean, this year it was 48 low, or something. 40s. 42. High 30s, yeah. I, I don't I also don't understand why like this is what I did. I had this box of like old arm warmers, lightweight arm warmers and gloves that were throwaways. Yeah. Like this is not rocket science. Start with freaking arm warmers, start with a vest, chuck it in the feed zone. It, just throw it, it at a spectator's it. yeah, well, intention plan on not getting. That's yeah. the point. It's a throwaway. <laughs> like keep yourself warm for the first hour of that race. This is not uh you don't have to be and you certainly have enough kit. So and just wear a shirt. How psyched is that? <laughs> how psyched is that you spectator know, when you throw your? Just go to Goodwill and like cut the sleeves <laughs> off a flannel and wear it. You know? it's like, That's a good idea. <laughs> you know, you then you could do like a Hulk and rip off the yeah, buttons. I mean, you could spend like three dollars on it. You yeah. know? But cut the sleeves off. You'd love having it, right? Yeah, totally. It's a good idea. I had an undershirt, like a wool undershirt, that I didn't put on. I just mm-hmm. like stuffed it up my shirt, on my yeah. jersey. Like a newspaper style. Yeah, it was like double layer. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was like, it was super warm. Just took it out. That, that, with some arm warmers, and it was like, shoop, shoop. Yep. Nice. I felt like a genius. The gloves were the only weak link. Yeah. But uh, are we doing a podcast? We- yeah, man. We're actually recording. So, okay. you know, we'll put all that in. 
Edit, 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 cut, cut. Alex uh-huh. Howes. Welcome, welcome to Cycling and Alignment. <laughs> now that we're recording, I'm going to speak that, like this. You still have the funny music? Coming the in? funny music? Yes, I still have the funny music. Okay. Do you not like it? Maybe we'll change it for your episode. Uh, I don't hate it. You don't hate it? Yeah, the dojo, which means, which dojo means tunes. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a, a Japanese artist. His name is Shing O2. O2? Yeah, he sings, uh, he raps in Japanese, but also in English. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I just liked it. Put that in the show notes. Look it up, people. Look Shing it up. Shing O2. Shing O2. Okay. Yeah. Uh, podcast. What are we podcasting on? Well. Leadville. Yeah. Leadville. The boat. Boat. Ste- steamboat gravel. I don't know how you say that without vowels because that's how they spell it. I'm just going to say steamboat gravel. Steamboat gravel. Good job, man. <laughs> nice win there. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. This is uh, August 2020, 2021, by the way. Well, if I say the date, that makes it evergreen so people can listen to it in 2024. Uh, when I'm the next Tim Ferriss slash Joe Rogan, and they'll be like, "Wow, yeah, Alex Howe is just one steamboat." Like totally the a blend between Ferriss <laughs> and Joe Rogan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> sorta, S- sorta. Arms are almost <laughs> as big as Rogan's, uh, and I'm making almost as money as Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So uh, you're probably ketogenic right now. Uh, I, possibly, I can see it in your eyes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steamboat. That's fun. Yeah, That's good. Leadville less fun. Yeah, I uh, got my butt kicked. Uh, but steamboat, I kicked their butts. Remind remind people what Alex gets his butt kicked results in. How, what place is that in Leadville? Um, I think it was fourteenth. Yeah, what I saw somewhere. But I, I on the day I counted like seventeenth. Hmm. But I was. In the oxygen debt, so I could right. be totally wrong. I also didn't, you know, what's well, 14th versus 17th, you know, it's not really a, about three places. Yeah, it's not, you know, yeah, not it's still in the top 20, but not in the top 15. Wait, yeah. no, I did that wrong. One was not in the yeah. top 10. Uh, Hashtag numbers. Yeah. I was top 20. Um, but yeah, I mean, it you always feel like you're really getting your butt kicked when you go into a race and you think you're gonna win. Mm-hmm. can win. didn't think I was going to win, but I thought I could win. Um, I felt like I did everything right. Things were going well. Um, felt super strong. I was like riding the heck out of my mountain bike. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, I mean, kind of like from the get-go, I was like, ooh. Just didn't feel like you had good power that day? Like, there's no diamonds in these legs, you yeah. know? Um, and I was like, well, it's a long day, you know. You haven't trained to go bonkers up the first climb you know so we'll we'll see how things pan out in five hours right now um and they didn't pan well <laughs> so I was like, it was less panning yeah it was uh yeah there, there wasn't any gold at the bottom of that pan um so were you with the lead group you was it a lead group going into bottom of columbine yeah there's like 10 of us i guess going into columbine something okay. like that yeah um and yeah, I was like just trying to fake it for a while. And then I was like, well, there's only so much you can fake it. Yeah. 10,000 feet plus 12,000 feet. So yeah, just got dropped, just hard. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I kind of like credit it to the smoke we had. Man, we had a brutal couple of weeks before yeah, those races. Like the week before I like went out 
and I did a ride and it was, it was like, when I left, it was like 60 AQI. Um, and when I got back, it was like 180. Yeah. And that was the was probably Saturday before I bet. Yeah. Saturday right or Sunday, Sunday or something like that. I did a long mountain bike ride that day up to James Peak and the air was horrible. Yeah. But like horrible. when I left, it was okay. Yeah. But I did six hours and like, I think the last in. three and a half, it was just like, well, bam. Yeah. Um, and I didn't quite feel right for a good while after that. And it was like, well, but then I also wasn't like, you know, training per se. Mm -hmm. I was like doing the old taper. It's kind of hard to tell where you're at sometimes when you're sort of just resting and, yeah, you know, throwing a zinger on the trainer. It's like you can't, you know, you don't really know. <laughs> the whoop, the whoop had me in the yellow for a fair bit of it, but I, I ignored all that and then got to Leadville and just took a crap. <laughs> <laughs> what was your whoop score the morning of Leadville? Do you remember? Did you look? Uh, it was. It wasn't great. It was, I want to say it was like forty-five or fifty or something like that. And what about the next? So then you got to tell everybody about your adventure. I know I heard a little bit about it between Leadville and Steamboat. You had some, yeah, we, some drama. We, uh, you know, I, uh, I wiped the wiped the tears off my face, and then we got in the van and we drove to Steamboat um, the afternoon of Leadville and proceeded to get rear-ended, and it checked up my bike pretty good. <laughs> uh, so we spent most of the evening scrambling around trying to straighten stuff out and most of the most of the bike was fine uh my mechanic tom hopper is like super dialed with all that and got most stuff back up and running but we had to put a new tire on there and a new uh new rear wheel which we had to go find and yeah track down and um some fine folks at hunt wheels i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but i just did right great wheels um yeah yeah nicer people Sometimes you just gotta find what you can find when you yeah, get rear oh, ended totally. the night before a bike race. Well, we, we were trying to find a vision wheel. Yeah. And we realized pretty quickly that there was maybe one on that side of the Continental Divide. <laughs> uh, and it was not for borrowing. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we were trying to figure out if we could get like my, you know, smashed up aluminum training wheel from my house up to Steamboat in yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and then we scrapped that idea because that thing has like a rough approximation, 40,000 kilometers on it. Like it's, it's roasted. <laughs> so we borrowed a wheel, put a new tire on there and uh, kept, it held air and everything worked. It worked. And nice. won, a, won a bike race. It was good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Beat those guys. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I could see yeah. the, the went out there with a whoop score of 19. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great point because yeah. you know, a lot of people use those things and there's that fine line, right? It's like a lot of athletes ask me like, how do I use this? How do I, how do I interpret this data? Right? So just so people know, if we're talking about a whoop score, basically it's one to a hundred and there's, it's a stoplight system, right? It's a red, yellow, green, and it's 33 and below is red and in the middle is yellow. And then 66 and above is green. Mm -hmm. And in theory, what I tell people is if you've got a rock and hard day of training, you know, some giant ride with some efforts or whatever, and especially if it's a really important day, a keystone day for your week, and you wake up and you're in the red, send me a text. Let's discuss. It doesn't mean no go for sure. Sometimes, occasionally you just get weird data from those things. Sometimes it thinks you woke up at three in the morning when you went to pee and it thinks you didn't fall back yeah. to sleep. Stuff like that happens. Yeah, so yeah. 
So your score can get a little confounded. It thinks you only got four hours of sleep and then it'll rank your recovery pretty low and you might feel fine. Um, on the other hand, maybe you were kept up all night because two raccoons were making love outside your bedroom window <laughs> all night or, you know, whatever, or it was right. a windstorm or, or um, what have you. So I, I think that's a good way to do it. But then on race day, you know, how do you, how do you, did you look that morning or did you just not look till later or how do you handle that? Uh, I, I looked. Yeah. I don't know. Been at this long enough that it's, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't ruin my day to see a bad score on race day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like, Ooh, that's not good. But yeah. Um, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, you're, still, still got to go. Hey guys, uh, I'm in the red. <laughs> gonna go home <laughs> yeah you know right it's like right. yeah i mean i think of it as like like if you want to go back to the traffic light analogy like i mean you can run a red light you know <laughs> like fair enough you can do that it's just risky but like right you know if you run five red lights you'd probably be fine if you run six like you, you're gonna get t-boned in one of those mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so you only want to play that game so many times yeah the yellows you know you know, you know, you, you do that thing where you kiss your hand and put it on the roof. My mom always did that. You know, <laughs> like yeah, you got you got to be careful with the yellows, but the reds, you know, mm -hmm. you got to really be careful. Yeah, you can only do that every so often. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah. Green, you should just close your eyes and go straight through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not close your eyes, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, let's. Let's uh, reverse prognosticate and look at look at some history. You and I worked together as coach and athlete for a long time. And one of my favorite memories is me when you were a younger rider try, trying to get you to upload your files to you know, Training <laughs> Peaks and, and give me some feedback. Because I think one of the most important parts of the coach-athlete relationship is like having data or having discussion around what's happening in the athlete's world so that you can apply context to the numbers. You can go smash a giant climb and I can see the data and I can see that that was your best power for a given duration for 28 minutes or whatever. But without context, I, it does, I don't really know the true story, right? So you can go make solid numbers of a climb and, you can, and then you can come back and tell me two different stories and they paint a much different picture. One story is, you know, at, just as an example, like I was, this guy attacked me at the bottom of Flagstaff and he was really annoying the heck out of me and, half wheeling me. So we battled each other the whole way up and then I dropped him. And then I had to just put the smack down the last K because I didn't like him. He was a jerk. So you had this exterior stimulus, this exterior motivation. So that tells me a lot about the character of that ride. On the other hand, maybe you did the effort on your own and you felt like you were dragging a tree stump the whole way or basically having your teeth pulled out without a Novocaine. <laughs> right. And that also is useful information for me. Or maybe you did the same effort and you, had, you felt like you had no chain at all. You were just not even touching the pedals. Right. All these are valuable data points, but they paint a very different picture about how you made that effort. And they paint the picture, the context for what that effort means in the greater sort of, we'll say, order of where you are in your training stimulus, your training build, depending on whether it's the week before Steamboat or you know four months before the US Pro Road Race Championships. These are all important kind of contextual data points. So I recall uh, our clever solution was I, I made you a training calendar. <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, you got you to fill out this calendar. And, and I don't remember what the deal was at the time. You're like, 
you had like a laptop that had been run over by a car or something or it didn't work or it was way harder to upload back then it was fair enough you had to, you had you had to like plug, find your head unit and plug yeah, it in plug and it into the computer like log in every time and nobody had saved passwords or anything no. so it was, it was it's a pain in the butt it was no, a pain in the butt it just auto uploads from your phone it just and spits it out I so, was I would say I was I fell somewhere in the realm of uncoachable <laughs> <laughs> younger age. But then I made the animal calendar for you. Yeah. The animal, the animal calendar yeah. worked. Yeah. That definitely, yeah. So what I did is I gave Alex a calendar that I just bought. It was like a kitten calendar or something, but I, I basically gave each month a theme sort of and gave it kind of an annual. For sure I had that. I hope so. I have all those early calendars. <laughs> We should um, we should grab some photos of that and put them out the yeah on the IG drop for this pod. That'd uh, be cool. Some of those were, yeah. I remember I like doing the totals for the month. Of, yeah. Month and like I I saw one. It would have been like 2018. I think I was when I was moving. Yeah, there was like I did like like 220 hours or something in like January February one year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like. You know, yeah. you're a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. It was like 21 or something. But yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. Every athlete's different, you know. Not mm-hmm. everybody wants to plug their stuff in. And not everyone wants to come back from a ride and look at data. Some people just don't care. It's like right. it's water under the bridge. You know, I think it has to do with the perspective of the athlete. Some people are very forward-facing humans. They're kind of always thinking about tomorrow, or they're always thinking about like, yeah, okay, I did that. I don't need to dwell on it. Now I'm going to move on and think about next week. I'm thinking about next month. They're, they're forward facing. They're, they're future facing. Other people are very, we'll say present focused, like in the immediate six hours, like what just happened? Right. I want to drill into that. I want to sit down and analyze it and talk about it and like look at every detail of this interval on this why, you know, I was at 322, you know, for this second and 344 for this next second. What does that mean? You know, and a lot of times it doesn't mean anything, but sometimes you can, you can learn a lot from the, looking at that data. Other people, I would say, are rearward facing. It's like, last year I won this race, and going into that was the perfect build. So let's just repeat that over and over again. Right. Or two years ago, I had the best season of my life, and I won this race and that race. So I'm just going to do that exact same, tra- same training program again. And, and those tens of those types of people who are rearward facing, in my experience, tend to want to repeat the same patterns. I think it's a way of them, perhaps, trying to will say find certainty in a very uncertain universe which is the universe not of cycling but of just life right <laughs> and i think that's their way of kind of searching for certainty from what i can tell a lot of people they they feel like things they've had a successful formula in the past so if they just repeat it there's a good chance things will work out again and that may be true in some circumstances but the reality is what you're talking about actually controlling is a pretty small sliver of what actually impacted how we right. rode I was going to say, there's a lot of variables there. A yeah. lot. And you're also a different human a year later or two years later. Like, For sure. You've had different life stress. You've had different training loads. You've had different And life depending events. on like, how much training you've done, you know, yeah. your body responds differently. Like, I'm a big fan of just like, I mean, yeah. I mean, at the basic level, like you don't adapt unless yeah. you're kind of shocked. Right. You know, like, right. if you don't have new stimuli, like, your body doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, like if I lay on the couch every day, I'm not growing muscles. You know, if I do the same four kilometer walk every day, like yeah. I'm not necessarily getting any better cardiovascular shape. I'll get better to an extent, 
Yep. But Initially, if you're coming yeah. from the couch and you walk four K day, yeah, right. But I can yeah. also come from you know riding you know twelve hundred hours a year, mm -hmm. and then walk four kilometers a day, and just go totally backwards. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. and to that nuance, you know, riding lot like a very narrow band of stimulus, even if it's hard, a type of riding that you do. If you repeat that same stimulus over and over and over and over again, body will, generally speaking, the body and the mind will stop responding to that type of riding, even if it's hard. Oh, for sure. Right? I mean, you'll just go out and do the same threshold efforts all the time. You know, like you will get better until you hit 320 watts. And then and you'll then you just stay plateau. at 320 watts. And, and then you, and you say, why, why can't I do five watts more this week like I did last week? And right. Like, well, maybe you should throw a VO2 interval in there. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. You know, yeah. or maybe you should just stop maybe and you then you'll just, just get better. Stop. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes that happens. Sometimes too. that happens. Yeah. Sometimes that totally happens. It's, it's a weird thing about cycling. There's so many energy systems that are overlapped and there's so many moments in a rider's um, career or path where they, they have actually quite a bit of fitness, but it's not expressed at that moment. I think that point is really lost on people. Like, I know you know this, like you show up to a race and you're like, man, I'm going really good. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't come out in the pedals that day. Mm -hmm. There are a million reasons why that can happen. Leadville, yeah. Yeah, Leadville is a perfect example. It's a perfect example. The next day you freaking kicked everybody's ass, but and the day at Leadville just couldn't come together for whatever reason. Maybe it was still crap in your lungs from the air. Maybe you just, who knows? Maybe your blood volume was too low. You didn't quite ride enough the days before. Maybe it was a combination of those factors. Maybe it was just something else. Like, but a lot of variables there's a lot of variables yeah 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 it, the wrestling's funny too because like i feel like as an athlete like i am very bad at seeing like when i need to rest mm. you know like it's all internal and you like i don't know if you just look at it on the screen you're like oh you need to rest dude <laughs> but as an athlete i'm like oh no i, I can keep okay I can, I can do this for another three weeks Right. You know, like I feel great. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I got the 320 threshold, you know, let's, let's go for 400, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like shoot for the moon. Like I've always been a shoot for the moon kind of rider, but then like, I don't know, like talking with my buddy Keel mm -hmm. all the time, you know, last this year, he's not, he's not, he doesn't train enough this year, but in the past, it's like, dude, you need to like, just stop. If you just stop, you'll get better tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Like, take three days easy. Like, you'll be better. You'll be fresh. You'll be way better. Oh, no, I need to do this effort. You know, because it goes back to your, mm -hmm. you know, this is what I did in the past. This is what I need to do now. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, well, last time when I run this stage at Utah, you know, I had to do this sprint workout, you yep. know, five days before. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you're flying. Like, what you need to do is take a minute, you mm -hmm. know, take a minute rest the system a bit yep get ready to go yep well i think that's a great point too i think this is the way i think about it is there's a seasonality to training in the spring there's like this very yang energy you know like everybody's excited because the race season's about to start or maybe it's started but you've got this whole season of races ahead of you and you've tasted a little bit of it and you're starting to go on group rides maybe and you're you're just, and the weather's warm and you've been trapped in your winter cave, you know, and doing the sprint work in the gym. And you've been thinking about the season all winter and now that season's here. So there's this exciting spring energy. It's when things are being born, right? And flowers are coming out and, and the weather's getting warm. And so all those things happen. 
And there's a point in the spring where I think almost any athlete, I won't say it's infinite, but a lot of athletes can just kind of continually add load. And yeah, you could hose yourself in the spring, but you could be pretty aggressive with your ramp in the spring. Mm-hmm. That's a natural rhythm. And I think that's seasonal. That's because you're in spring because of all those things. You just kind of came out of the winter cave. But when you get to the, where we're at now in August, if you try to add load at the same ramp rate that you do in the spring, most of the time it doesn't go well. Yeah. And I feel like you also don't need to generally. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like generally, you know, if you've done your, your, your Twitter page at spring, you know, like you've, this you've time of year, your fitness. Yeah. This time of year, like it's there. You just <laughs> have to figure out how to use it. But we still have all done this where it's like you get to that point where you feel your form and your fitness starting to kind of plateau and not gain as much. And then either there's different ways you can, you can screw this up. One is to just assume that you can make infinite gains. And so you're like, well, I'm just going to keep training harder and keep training harder. And that doesn't work. I've done that. Yeah. Then you end up on the couch. Then you end up on the couch. <laughs> you're forced to. And yeah. you're just like literally the bike just forces you to stop eventually if you keep going. And if you really keep going, you get mono or something else happens. Um, or eventually you'll die. Did an episode <laughs> with Rocco and Trevor about how they both put themselves in very, very serious, serious difficulty, physical and mental health crises from just training, 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 training and burning the candle. Or the other, the other mistake you can make is instead of just adding, adding, adding a thing, you make it infinite gains. Some riders start to feel that um, they're coming into form and they're starting to get fitness and, and they feel that plateau. And how I think you feel that is basically, you know, in the spring when you're kind of fit and you're getting there, you can go do like a 20 or 30 minute threshold effort. And it's like the whole time, every minute you're fighting that effort, you can do it, but you're fighting and you're fighting. You really have to want it. And then right. afterwards you're wrecked. You do that same effort like 12 weeks later and it's hard, but you're not fighting every minute. And also afterwards, you're like about five minutes afterwards, you're like, I feel pretty good. You know, I could, I did work as hard. I emptied myself, but it just doesn't hit you the same way. That's when you know right. you're, you're like pretty on form when you can do those types of efforts and not have them really give you the smack. But when people start to feel that way, they have this instinct somewhere. They may, may not even be able to verbalize it. They get nervous. They're like, well, oh, uh, this is it. You know, I, this is kind of all I got for the season, but is it enough to win my race? Is it enough to achieve my goal? And they get nervous and they try to force it and they try to train a little hard. Like I need, a, I need more, you know, 320 isn't enough. It's got to be 335. Right. It's got to be 342 or whatever stupid mathematical model you yeah. made in your head. <laughs> <laughs> to be kind of a jerk for a second, yeah. like whatever like number you're hung up on. Like when I wanted to go to Rio and I was just fixated on 400 watts for 20 minutes. Yeah. I got pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked out better than it should have, honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there it's a two-edged sword because sometimes when we put that, that um, high jump hurdle, you know, or high, high jump bar at a very high height that is – really like the highest we've ever gone, but it's still achievable. It can really drive us to achieve new level of fitness. But man, you put that thing six inches too high. Sorry, 10 centimeters, <laughs> relevant units only. Like, and, and then you just feel like your whole season was a failure perhaps, or you right. never achieved it. And I asked this of uh, Travis McCabe in, in our pod. I was like, how did you set goals? We were talking about his, when he was young, about the goals he decided he wanted to achieve as a pro cyclist. I was like, yeah, I decided I want to do this and that. I want to win an RC race. And I was like, but Travis, how did you know that it was a goal that was realistic 
but still going to push your envelope versus you didn't say, I'm going to win the tour four times. Did you? And he (laughs) he said, no, I knew he knew that that wasn't really on his radar. Right. And there's a fine line there. I don't know. What do you, do you have thoughts about that? Like, how do you, how do you surf that balance? I mean, goals have to be like progressive from the get go, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that have only done one cat five race and have the Tour de France circled on their calendar. Right. You know, five years from now, which that's fine, but. That's a very steep incline to get. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean. But everybody wants to be Mike Woods. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's only one Woodsy. uh, Right. And he hasn't won the Tour de France yet. Not yet. Uh, Couldn't even win the polka dot. Dang. Uh, But we did see brilliance in his running early in his career, so it suggested he was going to be a world-level athlete. Right? Oh, he's got, he's got the engine for it, for sure. Right. Uh, and that was, that was pretty apparent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think even Woods, you know, he, he's a super ambitious guy, you know, like always been a shoot-for-the-moon kind of guy. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, long before he thought about the Tour de France, he thought about, oh, I want to I wanna win Tour de Bokes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you pick something like that first. And if you fall flat on your face, then you say, okay, I want to win a stage of Tour de Bose. You know? Um, and I think a lot of it also comes down to, like, learning what kind of rider you are. Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like it, it took me, like, five years pro to figure out what kind of rider I was. You know, it's not, it's not something you can really put your finger on straight away. Um, but, you, you know, you learn what... what races suit you and then you you know then you then you make your moonshot goal from there yeah you know versus you know not everybody's gc rider there's like most people aren't most people aren't uh nobody should actually want to be a gc rider (laughs) everybody (laughs) wants to be a gc rider Uh, in the old school paradigm it sounds terrible right you know like like look at uh leadboat this weekend you know pete stetton won leadboat he didn't, he didn't get to put his hands up. Right. You know. Oh, he, they didn't have did. a little podium. Well, they did. They did. It. Okay. But yeah. But okay. You know what I mean? Like. But not when he crossed the line. Kind yeah, of like. Yeah. You know, like I, I understand there's a lot of value to, you know, having a, having a goal and, you know, executing every day and, you know, sticking to it. And, but Pete's goal know, probably wasn't up. to win Lenboat. It was probably to win Leadville and win Steamboat. Either one individually first, I would guess. I would think. But that, I guess that's my point. You know? Yeah. Like the emotion of winning on the day, mm-hmm. you know, like that's huge. It's, you know, it's so like, huge. It's like yeah. one of the bigger motivators for me in cycling. You're just like, yeah, I won. This yeah. is cool. This is really cool. <laughs> you know, like that was fun. Agreed. Um, Even winning a tiny race is like, you know, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's one of those things you, yeah, like, I, I guess it's not not necessarily like the right answer to give a lot of times people are like oh like what drives you what motivates you to be a better cyclist and you should say something like oh i enjoy the process or you know i just want to be better every day right you know or i you know want to express my inner you know and it's like well yeah i those are both true for me personally Mm -hmm. like i do enjoy the process i do enjoy um you know trying to figure out how to like get better every day, you know, like how, how, like exploring different parts of the sport and trying to like, you know, master and solve these different puzzles. But like, 
Yeah. At the end of the day, probably one of my biggest drivers is just that like feeling that you get when you're like, fuck yeah, I won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Oh man, like that's, this is crazy. Like I won, you know, yeah. I like, I still remember winning races when I was a junior, you know, I was like 12 years old mm-hmm. and just the emotion you feel when you're like, I, I won today. Yeah. Today I was the, I best. Was the best. Like it doesn't matter to me yeah. that I'm 12 years old and I beat other 12 year olds. Right. You know, I still, I still beat the other 12 year olds. You know, I, I, I pinned on a number. I lined up. Other guys were there. They all tried to all. beat me and I beat, I beat them. them. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Like this, There's something like, very powerful about that. It's yeah. And you don't get that a lot in life. Yeah. You know, and I, I think you get, you know, you might have similar feelings, you know, like, I don't know if you're in real estate and you close on a house, you know, or something like that, but like mm-hmm. that, like in the moment, like people are watching um, and you're going fast yeah. and you come across the line and you're like, <laughs> I was the fastest, yeah. you know, like this is cool. And it, it's so fleeting and it, you know, in a way it's, it's a, it's probably a, a drug that you, you shouldn't start taking, but you know, mm-hmm. it, this is, this, for the record, I don't take any drugs, but I'm saying the dopamine yeah, as hit. an analogy. Yeah, the dopamine yeah. hit you get, yeah. you know, coming across the line, like because um, yeah. it, it, you know, it is a, it is something you'll you'll chase for a long time. Yes, but um, I mean, we're all we're all it's sweet. Like it, it, I'll tell you one thing: it's way better to to win a race in the moment than it is to put up like a good post on Instagram, you know? And they say that's like a huge dopamine hit. <laughs> <laughs> and those the likes come in, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's just fun, you know? Mm. Yep. So we're all, we're all basically battling our neurotransmitters and looking for those dopamine hits. I mean, we are hormones, you know? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Like I had a, that, I mean, I had the thyroid thing, but it blew up in me. It blew up on me big in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really realized you're like, man, you, you are not you, <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you are whatever hormones are going around in there. Like, uh, we're all, we're all just bags of chemicals and carry bag of water. Yeah. When one of them starts, you know, get out of balance, taking off quicker than the others, then, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's either not fun or really fun. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah agreed. And I think that's the the whole practice, right? Is the balance between recognizing when your hormones start to drive your behavior and living consciously and taking a moment. You know, I don't I don't really believe that we're we can be victims of our hormones for sure. If you're unconscious, if you're not paying attention, you're just letting those things drive on autopilot, they'll take over, you know? Your childhood trauma will take over, your hormone des- desires and drives will take over. I mean, it's easy in this world because of the access we have to Instagram and pornography and race victories, alcohol, race victories, <laughs> Swift. Swift. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of ways, you know, shopping in Amazon. I mean, you can, you can put yourself in credit card debt in four minutes, you know, totally. like long-term debt. Um, that's not how humans were meant to kind of walk through the earth. Like it was more like, Hey, look, a cherry tree. Whoa. Dude, I know where we're spending the afternoon, but that happened once a year, maybe, right? Or a peach tree. Whoa. (laughs) Like, okay, we're going to sit here and eat as many peaches as we can because we live in the forest and there aren't that many of these and a bear might come along and attack us with these peaches any minute now. So we're going to do this and then we're going to go hunt a mastodon next week. Like that, those were your endorphin moments. Right. 
that was other than that, it was like stories by the campfire and trying not to freeze to death. I would you're assume. Like, you're like, oh look, a mild temperate climate today. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Dopamine hit. <head. Yeah. laughs> oh, it's not even that windy. This right. is sweet. This is awesome. Oh yeah. Oh, it's just the perfect amount of breeze to blow the smoke out of my shelter. Yep. I love this. Couldn't be any better. Little things to be grateful for. <laughs> now it's like our air conditioning doesn't work today. Meltdown. You yeah. Know? Literal meltdown. Our yeah. boxes. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm. But I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like winning races is like, it's that primal hit, you know? Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. But it's also different in the sense that it takes, I mean, this is why cycling is such a cool sport. I have this conversation with a lot of my athletes because it takes so much work for most people to win a bike race. That's why you can see people crossing the line, like in tears because they've, gotten hit by a car, you know, gotten dumped by their girlfriend, like had that ride where they crowded and crashed and flatted and ran into a moose, you know, like had to, had to Uber home from a ride in a hailstorm, like gotten dropped a million times, had a million bad pedal strokes, had tendonitis and had to take three weeks off the bike. All those things that we've all pretty much done at one point or another. And then it finally comes together after years of work and they cross the line first. And that moment is like, as you said, it's the ultimate dopamine hit. Totally. I mean, I've always thought of it like in most sports, you know, it's like your odds, you just straight odds of like 50, 50, you know, like if you're playing winning soccer, team, winning team, losing team. Yeah. If you're playing <laughs> soccer, you know, like go out there, it's like, Oh yeah, we won today. Oh, next we time lost. we lost, you know, it's right. like 50, 50, right? Bummer. If you, you know, the metric for a decent team is, you know, yeah, we won as many times as we lost. Right. <laughs> a right. good team, we win slightly more than we lose. Mm-hmm. And a great team, we win all the time because our odds are 50-50 anyways. Even the you best know, team we, in cycling, though, their odds are nowhere near that. Not even close. Yeah. I've always thought that, like, I forgot how I broke it down one time, but it's like, I mean, there's like 180 guys in the peloton, right? And if you do, what, it's like, it's like 60 races a year. Yeah. You know? That means you should win once every three years. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. If you win once every three years, you're you doing know, pretty good. You're you're on par. Yeah. 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 And I've I've always prided myself in that I win about once every three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you want some really big ones, so I won some good ones for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know? But uh, you know, yeah, if you win like once every three years, but like any other sport, like if a Where, baseball team once every one, one or once every three like, years, how do you, every single how do you player, go through a drought like that? Right. You know, every manager would every be gone. three years, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. I've always told myself that when I don't want to race for like two and a half years, I'm like, all right, it's coming. It's coming. I've got six Maybe, months left. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm still not below average yet. <laughs> so what I mean, was one of your early wins that was super memorable for you? Even, even a tiny race. What, what was one of the ones that really impacted you and got you hooked? Um, I mean, like a super early one, it wasn't a win. It was second place to TJ, which mm-hmm. was a win at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he was like two feet taller than I was at Park City, Utah Nationals in, oh. a, in a road race. Wait, what year was this? Um, maybe like 2004 or some, five or something like that. It was one of the years Ian won the U23 race. Ian won the so, U23 race. Okay, so I was directing for TI. No, 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 no. Uh, 5280. I think Peterson won that year. 
Ian won it twice in a row. Or not, so, no, yeah, I think, yeah, never mind. No, Ian, Ian won it twice in a row in Salt Lake. I Maybe Peterson I think won Peterson won the next year. 17, 18 or something. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you were 15, 16? Yeah. Yeah. So Ian won twice in a row. And I remember this. This is a great story. I got to tell the story. So I was director for, for 5280 Magazine team then, which is the team that Jonathan and I started together, which eventually became what is now, yeah, you know, became a slipstream. Now it's EF Pro Cycling. EF, um, EF Education yes. First, Nepo. Thank you. Pro Cycling. And team. Team. Squad. Just t- change the order around of those words. You yeah. get the idea. So I was directing for that team then. And, and uh, this was like, it was like Blake Caldwell, Timmy Duggan, Ian McGregor, Jaku, who else was on the team that year? Stu. Stu there. Was Stu there? I don't remember if Stu was at that Nationals. He probably was. So I'm forgetting a couple of guys. Maybe um, was Bowman there? I don't have my poster on the wall anymore. I can't cheat. Dang. So anyway, and but I told Ian, I said, if you win this race again for the second year in a row, <laughs> I will off. shave yeah. the your name in the side of my yeah. head. And then he did. So we shaved Ian rules in my head and I drove home from Utah with that. And then I got pulled in my driveway and my wife saw me and just walked back in the house. <laughs> we also ran over every piece of roadkill that we saw in the team van. And then we got home in the car. And the car stank. stank, stank really stank. Bad. I remember that. Stank like all that. <laughs> uh, Those were fun times, man. Yeah, that wasn't the best decision, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were all younger then. That was you pilot know? error. Yeah. I don't know who did that. Um, but so, no, like, I, yeah, like before that, I like won some races and had like good results. I mean, I, I was like good enough to get on 5280. Yeah. Uh, which it took a small amount of begging, but it worked out. Um, but yeah, up until then, it was like, yeah, I, I think I'm good. I'm just not sure how good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, yeah, just like came together on that day. And I was like, wow, I'm second best in the nation to TJ who's TJ who is a, a grown ass man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I like, you know, among the almost in puberty class. You were like you were I a young 16, ahead, 17, you know? 15, 16 then, yeah. 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 So yeah. I was that one like really I was pretty stoked on that one. Yeah. Um, the other one that comes to mind was the Dead Dog Classic. Yeah. The one the crit. Oh my gosh. And I was like this, 17 or 18 years old. You got to paint the stage so people know what the dead dog classic is. Well, it's a memorial race for somebody's dog that's dead. Uh, it's in Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, in the, I believe the Snowy Mountain Range is what that mountain range is. Usually three stages, right? Usually three stages. Uh, time trial, road race, criterium. Um, road race is pretty, pretty dang hard. Uh, a lot of climbing. Uh, it was like basically an out and back up at pass, but of course it's in Wyoming. So you have like 40 mile on crosswinds typically, yeah. right? If I remember right. Yeah. 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 Pretty gnarly. One of, those, one of those races where you like start and it's like kind of chilly and then it's like really hot and then you get to the top and it's like freezing four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you go down the hill. Cause the pass is at like 11, eight or something. It's at the top. pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty high. high. It, it, it's yeah. just cold in that area too. Yep. Uh, very snowy. Uh, hence the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we did the time trial and then the road race. Um, I was pretty tired after the road race. But then we did the crit on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I got away with a couple of the guys. I believe George Espinosa was up there. Oh, yeah. Jorge. And, uh, oh, man. He was driving it. Of course he was. 
Uh, and I won the sprint among the three of us. And I was just like, damn. Nice. This couldn't be any better. Nice. My dad was jumping up and down. I was <laughs> stoked. The best thing about that race, aside from the just awesomeness of the remote capacity of it, was the t-shirt. Because it had this like dead dog. Oh, yeah, skeleton you know, dog. Skeleton yeah. dog. It was like, I have one. it was just cool. I'm Still. sure I have one somewhere too. I have to go find it. I, I gave it to my buddy, actually. when I, So I was like living in Marseille. Yeah. Uh, when I was like 20... 20 years old, I guess. Um, and he came over and like stayed with me. And we like, I wasn't supposed to have anybody in the apartment because it's a team apartment. I was like, ah, middle finger, whatever, guys. Who <laughs> um, <laughs> were you racing for then? Uh, Visa Le Pont Marseille. Okay. Um, French team. And he, yeah, like he had this bag that like it, like they didn't close the door all the way on this bus. And that he was on, and like he lost his bag with all of his stuff. It just he, like he and his landed on a roadside, yeah, just, just like somewhere. flew off a cliff. Oh. And it was just gone. Uh, so they had no stuff. So France. Yeah, and uh, so I just gave him like a bunch of clothes because yeah. they were going to be there for like another like three weeks, not in the apartment. Like we, they're backpacking around Europe. Yeah. Um, anyways, I gave him like you know my dead dog classic shirt, oh, man, and he wore that thing for like a month straight. Nice. Um, and he gave it back to me like two weeks ago. No way. Yeah. <laughs> this shirt is like, like yeah. absolutely destroyed. Uh, you know, it's all right, but it's, it's, That's funny. it's like this, uh, like blaze orange tie dye nice. with a dead dog on it. And I just think like, man, I wonder what people thought in France when he was walking around in this tie dye dead dog shirt. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But it's still around, you know? Yeah. It's still around. It's good to know. Nice. So those were the seeds that were planted early in your racing adventures that got you the, the taste for victory. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then watching my hero, Colby Pierce, just tear up, tear up the local scene here. The, the obtuse World Cup track circuit and wishing, winning occasional local races. Yeah. 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 Huh. So, okay. Here's a left turn. Okay. Pop quiz. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, what did I have for breakfast this morning? Uh, at the moment, I'm kind of like, I fell into this project. I, I don't know when you're going to put this up. I don't either, so we'll just talk and then okay. figure it out. I think I'm going to take crack the Colorado Trail. And I like kind of decided this last night at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, so I woke up and I've just been like trying to see if I can get my bike in some kind of condition to do it. So breakfast was like a handful of cashews, uh, a cup of coffee and like some mango slices. <laughs> I, I had a banana when we walked in. <laughs> wow. So you're not eating a lot these days. Um, no, I mean, it kind of goes back to like we are hormones, you know, mm -hmm. like you probably ate a lot for two days after lead boat, and now you're coming off that wave. Is that probably fair? I when um, I do races like that for the next day afterwards, I'm just like inhaling food, but then it kind of tapers. Yeah, I don't know. Like I just kind of like eat on feel, and I feel like I didn't eat that much after. Um, hmm. 
I did have a big dinner last night though. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you, like, What'd you like, have for dinner? <laughs> like a pound and a half of mussels. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, just like it, like we were out at a nice restaurant and just ate all the all stuff the you probably shouldn't, but also should. Yeah. French restaurant, if it had mussels, you'd probably have fries and... Uh, the kitchen, I don't know. What it oh, was the kitchen, French? yeah. yeah. No. no, no, I think it's like yeah. American. The kitchen's kind of a cool local restaurant. It's uh, Elon Musk's brother, Kimball, started it. And it was like, mm. at the time, it was one of the first kind of real attempts to make a farm-to-table restaurant. Yeah. It wasn't like... It's like one of the original gentrifiers of Boulder. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly. yeah. And it's a yeah. cool concept. It's a great restaurant. Yeah. It's not cheap. They used to have really good breakfast. I used to go there for breakfast a fair amount. Never been there for breakfast. I don't think they have it anymore, I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just I just ate like very large quantity of yeah. fatty and delicious foods last night. So I'm I'm surfing. Yeah. I'm just riding that wave. Riding the wave, the calorie just, wave. Yeah, you're gonna let that just nice run its way through the heart ventricles. I remember doing one year I did something that at the time was like groundbreaking for me. I raced the Breck one hundred mountain bike race which is basically three stages of the Breck Epic in one day, um, more or less. And it took me, I think I was fourth or something like that. And it was almost 10 hours. It's probably the, it's probably the longest race I've done, actually, if mm. I think about it. I haven't done anything crazy, stupid long. You know, I'm not, I'm not Lachlan or whatever. So I remember eating just insane amounts of food after that race. Like I was just an endless food hole. <laughs> and I kept eating and eating, you know, slices of pizza on the way home in the car and stuff. And then the next day, I don't know if you were around for this, but they had one year, Len Pettyjohn put on a boulder to Lions. I think it was called Grand Fondo. Mm. And the course was pretty ridiculous. It was like, I mean, it was just like, maybe it was a Lions Grand Fondo. It was like, basically did two laps. You went up uh, left-hand canyon to Ward, which is like a, I don't know, 45K climb or something like that up to 10,000 feet. And then you descended on Lions and then you did the same canyon, but then you went Super Jamestown, which is the same altitude almost, but like way steeper and shorter. Right. And went third at the top and then you descended. And I remember just crushing that course. And I, a large part of that I think was because I just inhaled calories after the day before doing the breakfast. It was my own lead boat, yeah. except it was the... The pre-lead boat. It was the... Breck lion, lion boat? <laughs> Breck lion. Breck lion. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, there's definitely something. I mean, I think that was part of the reason why I was good at steamboat is like, I, I one of the reasons I think Leadville didn't go as well as I wanted it to. Uh, I was doing like, I had like a ton of like super high concentration, um, like high carb drink mix action going. Yeah. Like, 140 grams of carbs per like big bottle. Uh huh. Which is like a lot. You yep. know? But I think it just kind of like. It was a little too much, maybe? Yeah. Definitely. I've done it when it was colder, um, like mm -hmm. Ned Gravel. But if it's warm, that much carb can. I think it just sits. Yep. You know, and I yep. definitely had that feeling like there's gas in the tank, but like the fuel filter's clogged or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like it's yeah. just not quite uh -huh. getting to the engine, you know? Um, but I think like mega fueling during Leadville and after Leadville, I, I mean, I ate really well. Um, so then the next day, then the were, next day it was just like, yeah, locked and loaded. I was freaking hmm. pedal all day. 
So that's a great point. Like, you know, it used to be that, you know, 50, 60, 70 grams of carbs per hour was sort of like the sports science recommendation. And now mm-hmm. people are like, oh, no, you got to do 120, right? Is it pushing the envelope? I've heard like 90, 95. It depends on who you're. That's, that's with like the right fructose, you know, glucose, glucose mixture. mixture. Right. You know, 60, 30. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. But, yep. I, I mean, the biggest thing, I think a lot of people read that or they're told that and they're like, okay. And they go out there on race day and then they just like, they calculate their little formula. Yeah. They, they do the calculation and they buy the stuff and then they crap their pants halfway through or, you know, (laughs) get halfway into it. And they're like, they like just can't get any more in there. And it's like, yeah, I think the biggest oversight people have is that like, you have to train your body to do that. Mm. Like you hundred percent have to train your you body. You can't just show up to a race and you know try to inhale all this processed sugar. Like it just like won't do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's not. Oh, you have to get used to it. It's like no, you have to physically train your gut mm-hmm. to absorb this stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just won't. You know, it's like me saying, oh yeah, if you want to win the race, you know, just do four hundred watts. Right. Like just go do it. Just go like, do what. That's I do. all you have to do to win. Like that's the prescription. Go do it. You know, it's like. Yeah, you you know you have an athlete that like could, mm-hmm. but if they don't train, they can't. Right, <laughs> right. You know, and it's the same for you know ninety five grams of carbs with the perfect glucose fructose mm-hmm. mixture. Like, if you don't train your body to do that, you're just going to get part way in and just die, go to pieces. You know, or you just you, yeah, or yeah. or maybe you get maybe you get it all in and you can't push. Yeah. You know, which is probably what happened to me to a certain extent mm. at Leadville. Um, and I felt like I had trained my system to do that, but I think it takes more than most people realize, certainly, but more than I think I realized. Um, and I hadn't really pushed it that hard in the heat, you know, which was definitely, yeah, which is, it, it's, it's a limiter on your gut, you know. Cause you won Ned Gravel, what was it, two weeks before? Yeah. And that was um, actually the day before the race. They sent out an email. I was signed up for that, but I didn't end up doing it. Um, But they, I got all the emails and they were saying, ah, we might have to like delay the start or maybe, maybe shift the course or maybe cancel the whole thing. Cause the forecast for rain was like, Oh yeah. It was was, really dark, but it ended up being a nice day. I told Jess, my wife before I was like, yeah, "Yeah, like if it rains, like I'm not going down into Fort Mile Canyon. Yeah. Cause they're forecasting like torrential torrential flood. Like people die in there, you know, like mm-hmm. they've washed towns out of that yeah. area. Like literally I mean, it just washed down the street. Reading some of the articles Whole after towns. the 2013 floods from Salinas, like literally husband and wife team, like him pulling his wife out of the mud totally. to save her life. It's crazy. Like, totally. Yeah. So yeah. It, it didn't do it that day, but right. it was, it was, it wasn't cold, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I had like a gel over the course of four hours and like two just Mondo high carb bottles. And yeah. Just like smashed it, you know? So you're mostly doing just most of your carbs are in your, your bottle, not, not in food. You're not doing rice cakes or. Uh, for that or... one. Yeah. Most of it was in the bottle, but. <laughs> that gravel's a pretty, like you're either climbing pretty hard or you're descending like real, just like down Switzerland. Yeah. Stuff. It's, it wasn't it's the easiest course to eat, eat on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I say I did it on one gel, like that wasn't on purpose. Huh. Like I had, um, I had, I had a few gels like in my pocket, but I wore like this 
kind of rain jersey and you just go over like two bumps and they're all just gone. Like it just like <laughs> flew out. And I have no idea where they went. <laughs> Oops. And I got I got to the bottom of the last climb and I was like, all right, oh. gel o'clock. I was like, oh damn, we're down to one. Hmm. Okay. One will have to do. Well, we'll see where we get. Right. Um, right. And yeah, I don't I don't mean to sound like a total like science food guy, but you know, sometimes you like I, I mean I have a kid and like we had friends in town for the weekend and like, I'm not going to sit there and make rice cakes. Right. Know? I brought a banana actually. I did have a banana, you know, it's okay. just like, you know, like sometimes science food is just like the easy out. You're like, mm -hmm. wake up that morning at like six o'clock and you're like, all right, we'll put 10 scoops in this bottle and just see what happens. <laughs> uh, a couple of gels. Oh, I only have caffeine gels. Well, that should work fine, right? Here you open go. the cabinet, you're like, yeah. what do we have? What yeah. do we got? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that was just lack of planning, but uh, yeah. good experiment, right? Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, that tension. I've talked about this in other pods. The tension between sort of the science, you know, me making air quote symbols and like the prescription of whatever it is, 70 grams of carbs per hour or 95 or whatever, or 120 and following that rigid formula versus listening to your body and getting to that point where you have that intuition of like, Whoa, Whoa, horsey. Like I can, I can feel that little bit of a sensation of like rocks in my stomach. Right. And I got to Now I'm about to go up Columbine. Like I need to cool the jets here, like water only for a bit. Well, so that was my, my big screw up with that is like I didn't have water. I've run into that problem. Like That's I was, I was just running on high. All, it was high that. octane or nothing. Yeah, you know, I've I've run into that problem so like, many times. And like, after a number of years, mistake. even unless it's like the forecast is forty five and rainy, mm -hmm. I always start with one bottle of water and one bottle of milk. That's my tr tried and true formula because right. when your stomach's too full, you got to help delete it. Delete yeah, it, it depends on the mix too. You know, it depends on the mix. Like yeah, you know, doing something pretty light and like something that goes down well um you know but you, yeah and it depends on you ha having straight up high octane yeah you know the full 140 grams of carbohydrate bottle yeah or nothing like oof. oops um but yeah you know you don't know until you know right <laughs> and that's the other thing with this like super high concentrate mix stuff like it's still relatively new you know, like, I mean, I was talking to Peter Stednut, he did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, yeah, I felt amazing. And then like, I got halfway up Columbine and I just like, couldn't drink any more of this crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and like, that's all I had. And like, he was cramping by the top and like, mm. you know. Interesting. So, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's still relatively new to have a bottle that has, you know, that many calories in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking, I mean, what is that? It's like 600 calories. Probably. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Like you have a turkey sandwich in your bottle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? so it's funny, like when JV and I used to go racing, you know, or training on long rides when we were younger, when he got to the point where he could actually ride his bike long, he would, he experimented quite a bit with like, uh, I don't remember what the brand was. It was back when like GNC was sort of like the only vitamin store there was kind of thing. And it had like cutting edge sports stuff there. They weren't all, you know, Nandro stack crap like they are now. And uh, probably get sued for that. And, and he would get GMB. these like, 
Yeah, that one. <laughs> and he would get these like weight gainer 9,000 protein shakes, you know, designed to build muscle. His logic was, you know, I needed, he needed protein, he needed something with some staying power so that his blood sugar would be a little stabilized and he would have right. some, some sauce for the long ride. And he would mix up those, you know, put two or three scoops of that stuff in his bottle and it was always like leaking out and the chocolate was always, you know, going everywhere. And then, actually, this is quite funny. This is just, I just remember this. He used to have this Moots road bike to give a steamboat plug there. They're a local company in, in <laughs> steamboat that makes tie, amazing tie bikes now. And he, I think he won it at a race. If I remember correctly, he won the Telluride stage race. And then the winners of the like pro men, the pro women, and like the juniors put their name in a hat and they pulled out his name and he got the frame, <laughs> if I remember right. Sweet. And uh, it was a super cool steel frame with this crazy like salmon and yellow and black like splatter paint job and, <laughs> and white. It was really cool. He raced that bike for a number of years and then I like traded him some comic books or something random and rode it for a year too. That was a cool frame. But he had this big long moot stem on it that was painted to match. Sorry, this is all coming back to me now. And his thing was he would take a power bar and he would peel it, unpeel it from the wrapper and just stick it onto the stem and bite little, take little chunks off and eat it as he rode in his races, which is just the most disgusting thing ever on the planet now, especially if the weather was bad or whatever. God knows what was attached to that thing by the time he got it in his mouth. But I miss those little power bars. You, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like them just for the convenience. Yeah. Because you could like, I mean, they had like, the perfect breakdown for like an hour, right? That was like the hour of power was the yeah, power bar. It was one know? power bar. It's a one power bar. Yeah. And you could, they were like, they were like the perfect width and depth and like they just held their shape. Yeah. You know, and you could just put like eight of them in your pocket and yeah. just go. They were pocket sized. You know, and, and it was you just, could eat them in the they heat. just stack you could right eat up. The cold. Yeah, they stack right up, you know. Like Only in the coldest conditions were they too hard to bite into. Like, you know, like yeah. rice cakes now are way better fuel, but like, yeah. you know, they're these like weird, malleable, square shaped, you know. Half the time you go to open it and it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. nah, like, it just, you just had this like science food that just stacked in there. Going back to the convenience, and yeah. it turns out I'm just terribly lazy. That, that's all <laughs> we're getting to at the bottom of this when it comes to <laughs> well, fueling. It's just like, whatever. I mean, a lot of it, too, with fueling, it's like, okay, what, what can you handle? What can you take? What can you get? And then it's like, what can you get? Like, what do you have? Right. You know? What's and in your cabinet or what can you buy easily? And I think a lot of people also get wound up like on the day and in the moment. Like, okay, I did the math. This is what I need. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then they get to the first aid station and there's no no electrolyte tabs and they just <laughs> have an aneurysm. You know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. I don't know. It, it's like going outside, you know? Okay, you're outside. You don't have a coat. It's Are you going to go back in and get a coat? Like, okay, if that's possible, possible, do it. Mm -hmm. But if you can't go back inside and you don't have a coat, just keep walking. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, like solve the Try and try and figure something out. But like, it, like basically solve the problem. But if you can't, then don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. people have gotten a long ways on being, you know mildly de dehydrated or only drinking water god forbid you know <laughs> or like being a little bit hungry at the end mm -hmm. of a race like mm -hmm. you know i mean i've i've had times personally where you come to the end of the race and you're like kind of halfway bonking and uh you're like this isn't gonna go well like i'm not good mm -hmm. you know 
I feel like you're empty. I didn't have the last gel that I needed. Right. You know? Right. And there's definitely been times where I've like given up because of that. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, these guys surely had the other gel, you know? Yeah. But I mean, like Steamboat's a great example. It's like I was cramping for the last 60K. Yeah. You know, I had like a bottle of water for the last like 50. Mm-hmm. You know, like I ran out of food with 30K to go. And like, I mean, I felt like hell. But you won. <laughs> but at the same time, like going into it, I was like, you know, I broke my bike. Yesterday was bad. Like things, things are not going well for me. But like, I'm just gonna try. Yeah. You know, like, what do you have to lose? Like whatever happens, like it happens. I'm just gonna keep trying. Yeah. Like, let's just try. So, that's a good. That's a really good point. You know, I think. Uh, it's pretty easy for athletes to come to the line and be having, making all those mental calculations about how they screwed up, they didn't drink enough or they're cramping or they're less than for whatever reason, whatever story they're giving themselves. But the reality is you're still in the group. Like haven't been dropped yet. Even if you have to see what happens, even if you haven't, I mean, us nationals pro national championships is the perfect example of that, of you putting that into practice because right. you got shelled. And I was watching that race and I was just like, Oh man, I'm so bummed out right now. You're you know, like, everything oh, was going man, so well. What a loser. And then you just clawed <laughs> your way back. I mean, that was amazing. Like you just clawed your way back onto the wheel and came back to win. That was the coolest thing I've seen in a while. It was like, I, I don't, for somebody who's been in the sport as long as I have, and for as many bike races I've done and as many races I've watched, I don't get that invested in races. Like most of the time I'm kind of like, cool, little bike race. I think that guy won, you know? And then people are like, oh, wasn't that amazing when Vanderpool ripped that guy off his wheel? I'm like, yeah, he was better than him. What? Yeah. I don't know. To me, it's just not impressive. Yeah. Like, like I'm I'm less easy to impress. I'll say because I feel like I've jaded old Colby. Maybe. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to say I've seen it all. I haven't. It's not like I'm some friggin' wizard or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I that race because I'm invested in you as a rider and we work so much together. Even though I wasn't coaching at that time, which stung a little bit, because I was like, "Damn it, he finally won the fucking thing!" When I wasn't <laughs> coaching him, but I was so happy for you. I was like, "Dude, that was awesome. That was an amazing know. victory." There's a difference between coaching and being like a lifetime mentor. <laughs> you know, fair enough. I mean, I didn't do. If it makes you feel any better, I didn't do anything that my coach told me to do for like the whole month leading into it. <laughs> like. I did like a few two minute intervals and then just like raced every chance I had. Yeah. I also got like deathly ill after unbound. Yeah. So it was like, again, like the preparation wasn't right. Things were good. I don't know. I, but yeah, like I think people like really look like science is one thing and like you have to learn and evolve and like take new information that we get, you know, via the science and like use it. But I mean, kind of on the day, like you have to almost get rid of it, you know, just let it go. Like, cause like I've never seen a road race that like really plays out scientifically, Mm. you know, like it's too chaotic. There's, there's certainly variables in there that you're like, okay, yeah, maybe I can fuel correctly. But I mean, even world tour level, like where we have a car behind us and swan ears and everything, like it's never, People, riders still miss feeds. It's never dialed. People, it just isn't. I mean, even when you want to eat, you know, half the time you're in the gutter, Mm -hmm. you know, wishing you were dead. Right. (laughs) Like like you're just bleeding out your eyeballs, you know. Who cares about food? At 185 beats per minute, you know. And you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't had time to take a sip from my bottle for the last like 
hour and a half. Yeah. You know, and the only thing I ate for the first three hours was a gel, mm -hmm. you know, when I like had a moment when I was like not trying to control the breakaway and I had a breather and I just like inhaled it, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I know the science says that's bad, but this is a race, you know? Yep. Like, I mean, in a race, one of the big tactics is just like, yeah, how do you keep other people from fueling? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to attack when everyone has to either like urinate or consume energy. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, oh, like I'll just go then. Yeah. You know, and like, okay, you probably shouldn't do that at your, your local gravel race if you want to make friends. But like world tour level, I mean, it's dog eat dog. Like, and, you, only have, you only have like five friends out there and they have the same jersey on that you do. Right. You know, everybody right. else is, you know. Screw them. Trying know? to kill you. Make sure they don't get any water. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, you, have to, you just have to... I mean, I guess you make your calculations, but you don't You don't uh, hang your whole race on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you do, you just lose every single time. That's what makes bike racing so cool, though. It's like every road race is basically a whiteboard, and you can just... You draw your little plan on it, and then half of it gets erased immediately, and then all the other plans get drawn on it, and then it's just a giant like bird's nest of different stuff happening and you just have to navigate your way through that maze. I mean, that's, that's what racing is, is even world tour level cycling. I mean, this is one of my most powerful lessons from working on the, on the team in 2014. I was a member of the sports science team for Garmin Sharp. And that was super cool. Cause I got to be at the tour de France with you and watch you finish your tour there and upload my Garmin every day. Plugged yep. In, plugged that's in. what I was doing. And, uh, <laughs> uploading files and, and battling uh, Garmin pedals, the first version. Oh yeah. They've come a long way since then. But uh, you know, that that lesson that I saw, like like seeing the world, you know, I raced at a very high level, but it was all on the track. And that's just a different universe. Watching world tour level cycling from the other side of the fence, the non-rider side, the staff side, I really learned, it really impacted me how much of pro cycling was you know, on the one hand, there's this there's this huge contradiction, or we'll say tension, between the fact that the teams have this service course and it's got 90 bikes in it, and they've got seven full time mechanics, and they're constantly gluing tires and changing bars and building up time trial bikes and tearing down old bikes and selling last year's equipment and you know getting new boxes of stuff in and their shipments like crates of things coming every day, bars and bottles and kits and helmets, and there's all this stuff. But then on the other hand. There are moments where somehow, like you before Steamboat, it's like, I can't find uh, the, the wheel I need on this side of the Continental Divide. There are these moments where there's this dearth of... Dude, I raced the Tour de France in 2016 with the wrong size stem. Perfect example. <laughs> you know, perfect mechanics and just like didn't want to change it like the day before. I'm like, guys, I've been asking for this for like seven months. Yeah. You know? And, and they're like, like ah. You know, it's it. like, yeah, screw it, whatever. I'll just run the, I, I think it was like a one, 110 instead of a one. No, it was like a 140 or something stupid. Oh boy. You know, it was, it was a big one. <laughs> and you, you still managed to corner down all those passes and yeah, do okay. Get, get down it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I mean, I, I'll also say that like. Um, Your bike fitter was probably really unhappy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super unhappy. That's, that's you, uh, poor guy. <laughs> just melded to whatever is there <laughs> at this point <laughs> which is also part of being a pro cyclist yeah but like yeah i mean like okay you gotta throw the science away you gotta just try hard sometimes nothing's perfect but i think you also have to like be okay with the days that you just like basically quit mm -hmm. you know like okay nationals right like i mean that took like 10 years off my life 
to close a 10 second gap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it took yeah. everything in yeah. that moment. Yeah. And like, it's not always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, even when the fitness is there, even if like you actually have fueled well that day, like there's like an, an emotional, you know, there's a place you go there to sometimes that like you yeah. can't go to. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people get hung up and I like, I've definitely had times where I'm like, why couldn't I just do it? You know, like, why can't, what, like, why couldn't I take myself or put myself there, you know, and like hmm. take 10 years off my life to get fifth place in that race. Like, why couldn't I do that? Like, hmm. just do it, man. Hmm. You know, even when the legs are there, but like, I think you have to like understand that like you only get so many of those bullets in your life. Yes. You know? Yes. And like sometimes you're spending them at random at, moments, at, you know, four thirty in the morning because your kid is screaming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, "All right, here we go. We're going to take a few days off right now, and right. I'm going to get up, and you know, yeah. this is this is going to hurt. I got to close this ten second camp right now." Yeah. You know. And yeah. Like, and if you're if you're doing a lot of that, like you don't always have that moment in the race. Like you don't have them there. That's the such an excellent point. I've been having this discussion with a lot of my athletes. They don't differentiating between, you know, the CSP local Wednesday night criterium where you go and you sign up and you pin on a number and you pay your form, your fee and fill out your registration and you sign up and it's a Wednesday crit. It's 45 minutes long and there's, you know, 21 other dudes there or whatever. And Jen Valente. And, and the difference between that and the chance to win a national professional road championship where you're going to take 10 years off your life to close a 10 second gap. And as you said, you've only got so many of those bullets that are go that deep, that special moment where you dive into that, whatever that emotional place is, you can only do that so many times, not even in one season, but in your life, mm-hmm. there's a limited number of those and understanding that spectrum and, and maybe sort of, as soon as you understand that, then it becomes sort of intuitively obvious like where am I going to play that card? If I'm going to play it, I don't know where that's going to be, but I'm going to just know that it's there. And at the right moment, instinctually, it's not even a conscious decision. It's not like you probably didn't think to yourself like, no, Alex, let's do this. It just happened. I right. Did, but you yeah. did. <laughs> okay. So, but the point being is, it I, came I out of you that myself, if you don't do this now, you will regret it for your whole life. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so you were, so you were very conscious of that decision to make that, that moment. And that's beautiful. Um, I would, I would think, I know for me, there are moments where I've had that level of effort, but it wasn't, there wasn't any conscious thought involved with it. It just expressed itself. I'll say, yeah. and it just happened. Like when I won a world cup points race in Sydney in 2004, and that cemented my spot on the Olympic team then during that race, it was just, I don't know. It was, it was a blend of conscious thought and instinct, but really mostly just instinct. It's just, it was like, just go, just flow. Just yeah. like now is the moment. Boom. And so point being is that was probably one of the deeper efforts I've made in my life. And there've been other ones as well, but you've got to let, you can't just, you know, we're not all Eddie Murrocks. Like there's probably a few freaks of nature who could, who have like several hundred of those. Maybe that's what made Eddie Murrocks who he was. You but know, I think the better you get, the more you have. And, and the, way, and the more ways, familiar you know. become with that cave, maybe the easier it is to access it, mm-hmm. but it's still a limited resource. For it's, sure. Right. For sure. Platinum or gold or whatever yeah. the analogy would be. Yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely it 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 is limited for sure. But I think that sometimes people get hung up on you know like 
okay, they go they go way into the danger zone to get third place at the Wednesday night crit. Yeah. And then they're they're frustrated that they couldn't go to the same danger zone when they get to nationals. And it's like, look, it's it would be nice if you had, you know, shot that bullet at nationals instead of Wednesday night crit. But like the better you get, the more you'll have. Mm-hmm. Just like you just people build capacity just for everything. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's like you say, you get familiar with it. Like you can you can be become habituated to almost anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Being frustrated that you didn't you didn't have it at nationals, I think that sometimes you just have to be okay with that. You know, it's like, yeah. It's like, look, I didn't have it. That emotional, like, you deep. know, ability deep, to go really deep, deep fire there. Like, yeah. where are we going to find it next time? You know, right. like, right. we, how do we move that around? Like, do we do we need to go less at the Winston that crit? Do we need? To, yep. You know. Well, there's probably something to that experience of the path, the development of the warrior, the athlete as they a few times they probably get that equation wrong you know they they go super deep at the local road race or the wednesday crit and they win or they make the break or whatever the result is or maybe they win the field sprint or something they cross the line they feel super satisfied it's like okay you know two weeks from now is nationals or states or whatever their goal is and then they get there and they're just empty or they misfire or things are all off you know balance or or maybe the rhythm isn't right and it just doesn't materialize And then that's a learning process. That whole three weeks is a learning process where you look back and you think, okay, why did I go so well for that stupid Wednesday crit? I mean, that was cool, but I really wanted to win the state crit championships and I just didn't have it there. What, and you start to develop craft that intuition, like, okay, I can only do this so many times. That's the learning experience. Mm -hmm. And then the next year when States comes suddenly, hopefully it comes together and you've got it or, or nationals or whatever. Also, I'll say, I think sometimes it, it, there's definitely a relationship between the amount of drive you have to really dig deep and the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember going really, really hard in local time trials when I was a first year senior, you know, back in the day, son, when yeah. I used to race, um, there was no such thing as U23. So like you were right. 18 and then you were racing against now guys who've been racing for 10 years. Yeah. Now you're a man. Yeah. Welcome, welcome aboard. Yeah. And so I went down to like Vuelta de Bisbee, right? Four or five day stage race just got my teeth kicked in for a couple of years. Jonathan was up there like making the league group barely, but you know, as an 18 year old, 19 year old kid, a junior basically. And I was, this was the first time I went to a real bike race, we'll say. And I was, I mean, the field was 180 people right. and I was going as hard as I could with 120 dudes ahead of me on the climb. Right. And you're not going to dig really deep there most of the time. Cause it's not very motivating. Right. You know, it's a lot different if you've got 120 dudes behind you and you're in the top row. Demoralizing. You might say that. <laughs> so then there's that aspect of it. You know, you go to nationals and you're like, I'm going to perform. And then someone passes you in the next minute in the time trial. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So we've been going for a while here. I want to respect your time. But before we wrap up, we got to talk about Team EF Coaching. Dot com. com. The new dot com bubble. Yes. Put a dot com after it. Put a dot com after it or dot cc. Yeah. Tell us um, Tell us what's up. Uh, a little bird told me that you might be joining our squad. I think I was the bird. I think I told you. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> I said, Colby, I want to coach some people. And you said, no. And I said, well, I'm going to announce it on the podcast. <laughs> You'll never be able to turn back the clock. <laughs>
You cannot edit this out. Yeah, it'll be, uh, you'll have to put this fire out by making me a coach. <laughs> Very well. Yeah. So it is so. <laughs> now it is in stone. Yeah. <laughs> now it's in stone. Uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, I think, like, in a lot of ways, like, I mean, as you said, like, we've worked together for a long time. Um, JV and me also go way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, like, a lot in there where it's, like, you know, and you, you two have more or less put the coaching philosophy and sort of ethos together um, for the whole thing. And, I, you know, I, I wonder how much, you know, how much is it, of it is what you guys know and what I've taught you, you know? Like, you know, at, at, the, at one point, at some point here, you know, when I say me teaching you, it's just you watching me make mistakes, you know? That's, which is, which is true. But, but I mean, I gotta say, I learn from my athletes all the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, I, no, jokes aside, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've been sort of, sort of in this for a while. Um, and so, I was like, well, yeah, I totally want to coach some people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's certainly in the, like the last few years here, I think, like probably like the most joy I've gotten out of cycling, aside from crossing the finish line first and getting that crazy dopamine hit, mm-hmm. has just been like exposing cycling to more and more people, mm-hmm. and like showing people like the higher level of sport, and I mean even the lower level of sports for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sort of giving them the tools and like a bit of inside knowledge on like, hey, like this is how you go faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like this is how, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you know, we can make it so that uh, when you can pick your kids up, kids up after training and not be totally crushed mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and you'll go faster at the, you know, local gravel grinder. Yep. Um, and you'll just enjoy the whole thing way more mm. than if you're just out there banging your head against the wall. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say I've been coaching people necessarily uh, the last couple of years, but definitely been offering a lot of unsolicited advice, mm-hmm. you know, which has gone well. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's the start. You know, you, you start to see that equation when you can give someone just that nugget, you can see they're struggling with something or they haven't quite figured something out and you give them that nugget. And then later they come back to you and like, man, I can't believe you told me that that made all the difference. That's a really rewarding feeling when you oh, for sure. benefit someone's path that way. You know, I think I like going back to you, you saying you've learned a lot from your athletes. Like, I mean, I've been kind of going into the like gravel mountain bike adventure cycling you know, direction Universe. a bit, you know, like just kind of like jumping into that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And like, you know, I have all these people coming to me for advice on all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know what, like, I'm just figuring this out now too. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a few years down the line now. Um, but it's been like really interesting to me to be like learning from people as I go and like sharing what I have learned, mm-hmm. you know, with people who might not be quite down the same trajectory just yet mm-hmm. um and I've, i feel like it's a lot of it's fresh in my mind in a lot of ways now you know and like yeah you look back on like 10 years as a professional cyclist and i'm like man i like totally fucked up so many times <laughs> like, like what was i thinking you know like yeah man, if i would have just known what i know now like i could be so much better you know and i honestly i think that's why like 
somebody was asking me this the other day, like why, why did, why are there so many really good 21 year olds now? You yeah. Know? Like yeah. Why, why, how old is freaking gotcha? He's Evan like, Twell or yep, yeah, gotcha. yeah. He's like 22 or something. 22, yeah. Like, yeah. how does he win the Tour de France? It's like, well, he, one, he's crazy talented, mm -hmm. but two, like, he just has all the information, you yep. know? That we didn't have access to. We didn't have access to any of that, yeah. you know, when we were, like, growing up and racing and, like, yeah. um, I mean, a lot of it's, like, you know, the science is there. I mean, when, when you and I were racing, you know, when I was, like, 15 years old, you were like, I don't know, 108, how old were you? I don't know. Yeah, um, that's about right. Yeah. Um, the, like, how much of cycling was still just like... Winning magazine. Well, it's well, it just like, yeah, like made up bullshit. Dude, you know, like... How much of it was it then? It's still that now. Yeah. I mean, my last podcast was on, before Travis's, was on 99 Italian wives tales about bike fitting that need to be assassinated. Like totally. that stuff just won't die. Totally. I'm doing my best. Like, but it, and it's that way with training. It's that way with nutrition. So much. I mean, like, There's but so like much. so much. So much of the puzzle has been solved. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Now that like, you can give that information to an eighteen-year-old rider, and like, yes, they if, can, they can close the gap. Yeah. You know, much more immensely quickly. versus yeah. like back in the day, like we were like sitting around obsessing over like whether or not we should shave our legs the day before or the day of the race. True. You know. It's like, oh, is this going to totally screw me over? You can't do it, dude. Yeah. You can't shave your legs the night before. You won't like, sleep. You won't sleep. You your know? skin on the sheets. Like, and you don't know? you eat the middle of that croissant. Like that Like that was like a literally like a major thing that you would thing. think about. Yeah. And worry about and stress over. And like, it was just like, it totally doesn't matter at all. <laughs> like not even like. Wait, a, what? It doesn't matter at all. Dude, I'm learning <laughs> from you still. Like, Oh my God. Like, made so many mistakes. You know, but like, and like, I don't know, like think about Strava, like mm -hmm. back in the day, I had no idea what the fastest time up Flagstaff was. Nobody did. Somebody would say like, oh yeah, so-and-so did, you know, a, a 14, yeah. you're like to the top and you're like, oh yeah, all the way to the mailboxes. <laughs> you're like, I don't think so. I don't, you know, you're I like, guess time's 28 minutes. Yeah. You're like, Why can't, you buy, how come I'm like, you know, laying an egg trying to get under 30, <laughs> you know, exactly. I think going twice as fast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but like now it's on Strava and like, you can be 17 years old, yep. go up to the thing and be like, Oh, yep. like Lachlan Morton took four seconds out of me on this straightaway. Right. You know, but like I'm closing a little bit every time we go through the switchback. Like, what if, you know? What am I doing? Right? As, as doing it levels wrong? off, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm gaining. But then, you know, when it goes straight watts per kilo sections, yep, surely he's going faster. You know, like mm -hmm. maybe if I just get a carbon fiber saddle or lose mm -hmm. a pound, like I'll yeah. be in there. Right. You know, and you're like, like that. They, we didn't have that information. We, we didn't have no clue. We didn't have any way to have those insights. Every yeah. now and then, you'd show up to like look at mountain hill climb. Mm -hmm. And you can compare your time to Jonathan Botters and you're like, oh, he beat me by four minutes. Like, right. I don't know if that's good or bad. Right. You know, am I, am I fast or am I not fast? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm fast because I'm like 14. I think that's good. <laughs> you know? And then you go to nationals and you're like, oh, I'm not good. Oh, I thought it was better than I, than <laughs> I am. <laughs> I thought I was good. You know, I beat everybody else in my state, but now I, now yeah. I have no clue. But now it's like you can compare yourself against anybody all over the world. Yeah. You know, you can figure out how how and where you're being beat. You know, you can close these gaps. You know, like you, you just have all this information that yeah. you just didn't have back then. Like the, the idea of eating 
you know, 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour in a race back in the day. Like I remember when I was in 2012, I like read some stupid thing about that. And I was like, this is how much I have to eat. And they wouldn't give me that much food. <laughs> the team just wouldn't. And this this isn't a, this isn't the French team. Right. This is Garmin Char. The team you're on now. Yeah. Garmin Barracuda or whatever it was back then. Yep. You know, and like I was like, no, it's Amstel Gold. It's 260 kilometers. It's six and a half hours. I'm supposed to be in the breakaway. That equals 40,000 like, calories. I needed to eat, you know, half a T-Rex today. <laughs> and they're just like a carbohydrate T-Rex. You know, yeah. And they're just yeah. like, we don't have. That much, have that much food in the bus. In the bus. <laughs> like you're not taking that. I was like, I know there's stuff underneath. Like get it out, you know. And like I did. And like, you know, like I I did it. And I, I like I almost kind of almost won the thing. Like yeah. I caught us yeah. with like 14k to go or something. Yeah. You know. And it was like, and I was on the aero bike and whatever. It's like, but like you know, I was closing gaps that you know. There's a lot of low hanging fruit in 2012, and I think there's less low hanging fruit now. But you know, if you can give that information to people. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I mean, you see it like on the local circuit here, like everybody's just better. Yeah. You know, like you go to a group ride. It trickles down. And like, in some ways, in some ways. Yeah. Not a lot of ways. So we still have those relics that are just trapped in 1984. Oh, for sure. God bless them. But I mean, there's like, I mean, there's people that like, I've never heard of that are doing, you know, 24 minutes of Flagstaff. Yeah. You know, like, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, and I swear they just get on Strava and it's just like. Try and solve the puzzle, or they're you know using an e-bike, but yeah, yeah, or that, but you know, whatever. I mean, there's a couple of dudes that aren't <laughs> that I know are going that fast, yeah, you know, and like, but I mean, that's that's their holy grail is trying to figure out how to you know break Tommy's record of Flagstaff. Uh, there are better things to shoot for, but also I'd say uh, than that particular goal. Um, also, I'd say, yeah, like to your point about data, I mean, you're right. Like we have, we also have so much more aero data now. We understand how much more aerodynamics impacts a bike rider's that's speed sure. in the air. It's, it's crazy. And all that's been refined. Right. So, I mean, think about when you were racing, like you had that puzzle solved pretty well. I, that was my edge for a while. Relative to just about everybody else. Until people caught up and then all of a sudden the hamster engine. And then everybody else more. is like, oh, if you just raise your hands and lower your head, like <laughs> you just go 4% faster. Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. showing up to a state, Colorado State Pro Championships as a junior in Gunnison in probably 1990. And I decided I was going to break away early. That was just my play. So I wore a skin suit and I had Roval wheels, like the original Roval wheels, which back then were like, they had like 12 spokes in the front and rear. They were Jeez. like freakish things, you know? Somehow I got a pair. I don't even know how. And sure, and some guy in the line was like, what are you doing? What, what is this? A criterion? What the hell's wrong with you? You know? And I was like, <laughs> This gun went off and I went wham and took off. <laughs> One other guy went with me and we got like six minutes and then we got caught on the climb and detonated. But it was good. It was a good run. But I was doing stuff like that back then, you know, trying yeah. it out just to see how it would go. And yeah, sometimes it worked. But that's how you like. That's how you figure things out. That's how you figure things out. But like, you had to screw up a lot of times. You bet. And like, yep. You spent so much time banging your head against the wall trying to figure that out. But like now, they just sell that. <laughs> you know yeah you're like you're out there like trying to pin your numbers in a certain way so you can put a gel in your in your number in your number yeah use your number as a pocket on your totally. skin suit or totally. like you're like shoving them up your you know shorts Light or something or whatever yeah you know you got them stuffed in your your breast cavity 
<laughs> and now they just sell skin suits with pockets. You know, Genius. Go like, figure. They're like, check it out. This is like super fast. Actually, for like four years, I was trying to get manufacturers to make pockets on skin suits and nobody could tell what the heck I was talking about. And then they finally got it. Yeah. Same thing with Aero Road helmets, man. Totally. I mean, it's like how much air is hitting the helmet? Like you need, you guys need to make a road helmet that's Aero. And people Basically like, anything aerodynamic for the road. Giro dropped, they lost like $7 million of the business because it took them so long to get on that train, in my opinion. I mean, I don't even, are they on that train? I, to some degree, yeah. I don't even know who rides Jiro helmets, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. But anyway, the information's out there. Yep. I guess the hard part is like putting the puzzle together and like, because you, you have, I mean, I guess it goes back to like kind of what I was saying about sometimes you just have to let go. You know, because like if you have all this information and you sit there and you're like trying to do a race or like a ride or whatever, and you're just sitting there like constantly, you know, blowing the motor on your mental calculator, <laughs> like you're not going to push on the pedals. Right. You know, just right. at the end of the day, like that's what's going to get you somewhere is pushing on the pedals. It can be overwhelming. Information doesn't equal execution, right? Totally. Like if it did, I mean, this is why the best coaches in the world are smart about just letting things go. Like if someone asks them a question, they'll just answer it honestly. Like, hey man, what kind of intervals should I do? Well, what's your goal? This and that and that. Okay, you you need to go do four by four flat out. That's going to be a really good interval. And they'll just give that information away for free because they know that just because you gave someone that nugget, like it's possible it could be a magic nugget for them that they were missing and it's the keystone to their whole program, but right. it's, it's unlikely. And if they already figured that out anyway, then give it to them. It's a gift. But right if that was all they were missing, but most of the time you give someone that information, like the information is right there. That doesn't mean you can apply it. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to, to organize that into a system at the right moment. Right. So that is another learning process. Four by four at 20 RPM isn't going to get you much. Of right. Right. <laughs> Probably not, you know, except to hurt me. Yeah. You know, the lower back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The other thing about the 21 year old winning races is, I think I think there used to be a culture of developing a rider over the long term, yeah. more so. And now it's like everybody's. I think he can win at twenty one. Yeah. Make him do it. And if he's fried at twenty three, then we don't care. Everybody's at Chris, man. Just, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's totally true. I mean, I've talked to a number of young riders about, you know, like like good young riders of you know, yeah, you know, winning big races like Tour de France and stuff. Yep. About that and like. None of them want to be Valverde. They're like, I don't want to race past 30. Right. You know, right. I'm 21 now. I'm going to race for five years. Wow. I'm good enough. Right. You know, like. It's a different good, perspective. I'm good, making good money. Like, I'll probably be done in like five years. Mm. And here I am 10 years down the line. I'm like, well, I wish I would have quit five years ago. <laughs> but you would have missed out on a lot of big wins no no no, no. But yeah but the, the problem was is i had to develop you know i should have skipped that you know but no. you're looking at a guy who took a long time to get it together and win a few bikers still the humble ones i did um so yeah yeah but the problem was is like you and me to a lesser extent but definitely you like you had to learn everything before you could win anything yeah and like these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're the taught. Inform the information's there. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. Like it's, it's yeah. there. They have the motor, the information's there. That'll have a big influence go, on a rider's trajectory. Go execute. You yeah. Know? And if they can win, 
you know, five Tour de France's in five years and retire at the age of 26, they're, they're then like, okay, like you probably should stop pushing your heart that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, maybe you shouldn't race for another Five's 11 enough. years, you know? 15, yeah. probably don't need that. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you want to go do something else with your life, that's fine. Right. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I do think there's still value in the developing a rider thing too. And like everybody's different, you know, mm -hmm. like not everybody's going to hit the ground running at 18 years old. Yeah. You know, like you just like, I mean, I, I can tell you like my motor, whether or not I had the information or not, like it wouldn't do that. The motor just wasn't quite going. No, like it's just, yeah. I'm still growing. I yeah. mean, I'm probably still going through puberty at the age of like <laughs> 33 or whatever I am, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I grew like an inch between the ages of like 18 and like 28. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's a, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think Bernal's growing anymore. You know? Probably not. He's as tall as he's going to get. Yeah. But he's tall enough. What? How tall is Bernal? I don't know. Four five. foot three or something. Yeah. Five one. <laughs> no, he's, he's not that short, but he's not, he's not tall. Anyways, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, have a conversation and share your thoughts with our audience. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, down the hill. Connect. I'm pretty sure we tried to have a podcast like two years ago. And then, you know, you were off racing your bike in different countries and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Glad it connected. Got shipped out. Uh, yeah, no, anytime, anytime. Where do people find out more about the amazing Alex House? Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah. I've got the gram. I'm on the gram. I'm on the Twitter, although the Twitter's, Less. I don't have anything to say anymore, you know, gave up on talking. Yeah. Uh, definitely on the gram, Alex underscore house. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be on EF, teamefcoaching.com or yeah. .cc or whatever it is. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly. We're, Shortly. we're working on refining your bio. We're going to get some dashing photos of you, make sure the hair's right. Yeah. All yeah. stuff. We'll Photoshop everything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of you with your kid. Alex looks just like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Handsome devil. Uh, yeah. No. Um, definitely looking forward to doing some coaching. Um, yeah. I think I'll still be racing next year, so it'll be interesting to balance all that out. But yep. I don't know. Looking cool. forward to it for sure. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to working with you on that program. That'll be awesome. You're a welcome addition to the team. Co-workers, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think you'll be my boss. No? And, you know, I was talking about this with one other rider who I won't mention because he's, he's contemplating coming on. He's currently a world tour rider, but he was like, you know, in theory, I've been your boss for all these years because you've been my coach. And now <laughs> you're going to be my boss. <laughs> yeah. He's saying that's going to be an interesting juxtaposition potentially. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, are you somebody's boss if you like employ them as a coach? I'm your boss. I, I mean, it's kind you know of. that's an interesting relationship to get into because some riders hire a coach wanting accountability and they're in that child mindset of like, tell me to go ride my bike, right. which I don't really play that game. That's not my speed as a coach at all. I'm not here right. to yell at you and tell you that you're not good enough or, or that you need to do try harder. Like most athletes are really type A anyway. They try too hard a lot of the times. Yeah. So it's about 
directing that effort into the right moment. But, um, I mean, theoretically you're paying the coach, so that makes you their boss. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let me figure that out now. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm not going to do it now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I always thought of it as more like, yeah, as you say, a relationship. I think it's a relationship. I think it is. It's very much so. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. There are elements. You can be my boss, definitely. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah. Manage people. You know? Yeah. Coaching the coaches. Yeah. Coaching the coaches. Yep. But no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So cool. Should be Me a lot too. of fun. And uh, yeah. Learning from people, learning from us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A lot to learn out there. A lot of learning. That's, I mean, like you said, the sport is, you've been in the sport forever, just like I have. And, you still feel like in, in so many ways, you're like, I don't know anything. That's a good sign. That's what's amazing about cycling, but it's also a sign that your eyes are open. You're not, I mean, I think the second anybody's like, oh yeah, I got this all figured out. That for me, that's a big red flag. It's like, yeah, whoa there, pal, let's check the old ego at the door because. I mean, I think that's why I've really enjoyed going like kind of with the quote unquote alternative calendar and yeah. dirt, dirt side of things. A little more challenge, new ground. Well, you just like, there's so much to learn, you know? And like learning is, I mean, if you stop learning, you might as well just be, just, de- be dead. Just lay in the coffin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. learning learning excites me, so. Me too. Gotta get out there and keep learning. Keep learning stuff. That's right. All right, thanks All right. buddy. Thanks Colby. Okay. As always, if you have questions or comments, hit me on the gram. I'll do my best to get back to you as quickly as possible. Thanks for listening. Attention, Space Monkeys, public service announcement. Really, technically, it's a disclaimer. You already know this, but I'm going to remind you that I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a doctor. So don't take anything on this podcast to constitute lawyerly or doctorly advice. I don't play either of those characters on the internet, which again is self-evident gratitude.